Hey everyone, welcome to Election Profit Makers. This is Long John Silver. I got Kid Midas on the line, way to the left in Los Angeles, Hi. California. Hi everybody out there in podcast land. Yeah. Uh, hope you've had a great week. John, let's take a quick break. I'd like to introduce everyone to a friend of mine, the academic assassin. He used to be a professional test taker for hire, but now he uses his skills for good, teaching people how to overcome the toughest standardized tests. If you or a friend are staring down the barrel of the SAT, ACT, GMAT, LSAT, GRE, TOEFL, or IQ test, you need the academic assassin. Academic assassin at protonmail.com. Sessions are one-on-one and completely personalized. Send an email describing your unique situation to academicassassin at protonmail.com. The academic assassin, he makes problems go away. John, we did it. We sold an ad on our very own. We didn't use an ad broker. We really did it. More ads to come, everybody. Academic assassin. He makes the problems go away because he assassinates the problems. Our mutual friend, John Kay, sent me a book called Mathematics, uh, the first five, or what's it called? Hold on, shit, fuck. I've already forgotten what my damn fucking, I woke up at six in the morning this morning for some reason, and I started reading my book about the history of numbers in math. Yeah, I was up till four in the morning doing other things. These numbers, it's called How Mathematics Happened, the First 50,000 Years. So even right there, there's a huge number in the title. Oh, it's about how the ancient Sumerians and Babylonians used math to count goats or, or stuff like that. And, and the reason that we have the decimal system, when I never understood that decimal system is the base 10 system. It's a synonym for the base 10. It's because we have 10 fingers. It's so freaking obvious. Uh, <sighs> you're just figuring that out. Yeah. All right. I mean, I knew it was useful to have 10 fingers, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that's the whole reason. Like, if we had had eight fingers, we would have a base eight counting system. Isn't that crazy? That mm. your physical form, the physical form that human beings take has influenced their culture. That's why it'll be interesting to meet um, aliens someday uh-huh. to, see, to, see, to see what their bases are. To see what their math is like? Yeah. You know, speaking of books and numbers, I got a book also. KD sent us a book. Okay. To uh, EPM World Headquarters. Um, This book is called uh, Synchronicity and You. Uh, It's the Understanding the Role of Meaningful Coincidence in Your Life. And it it has a lot of numbers as well. Wait a minute. That sounds fake. Meaningful. Everyday coincidences, parallel lives, telepathy, numbers, premonitions. It says on the back, Synchronicity in You is the only book that uses abundant anecdotal material to reveal how we can analyze (laughs) meaningful coincidences and apply them positively in day-to-day living. So we know it's scientific because it's using Because of the abundant anecdotal anecdotal material, yes. Got it. Okay. It's the only book that does that. That's a bold claim. I kind of feel like a lot of books use a lot. Like, isn't that what Malcolm Gladwell does? Isn't that his whole... Doesn't Malcolm... Isn't he the king yes. of anecdotes? Yes. Anecdotes are fun. There once was a kitchenette where the bagels went missing, so someone put a picture of some staring eyes 
taped it to the wall, and bagel theft went down 40%. This proves that humans respond to eyes. Blink. Don't blink, or you'll miss my next insight. Malcolm Gladwell, the king of anecdotes. <laughs> men in blue cars report to be happier than men in green cars. Mm-hmm. Blue is the warmest color. 10,000 hours. <laughs> it took me 10,000 hours to write this book. Don't blink or you'll miss my next insight. Yeah. I am Malcolm Gladwell. Remember when Malcolm Gladwell got roasted a couple months ago because he said it was time for everyone to stop crying and go back to the office? And then all these baristas were like, um, bro, you work out of my coffee shop 40 hours a week. Why did the Right. Something about that guy, Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know. You're not a fan? I think it's – someone said that he writes fairy tales for middle managers, and that's one of those zingers that you just like, well, <laughs> I'll never be able to take this person seriously again. I don't know. I'm sure he's smart. But on the other hand, I don't know. It doesn't at all just kind of seem like – it just seems a little too easy or something. I don't know. I'm I'm excited to read this book about meaningful coincidences and telepathy. It's written by a guy named Frank Joseph. Uh-huh. Um, he's the marketing director oh. at uh, Gold Press and uh, the editor of Ancient American, a bi-monthly archaeology magazine. Oh, okay. So he's legit. You know what else? Keep it coming, John. We're off to a is, good start. Yeah. So here's what else is on my mind today. John, what's on your mind? Today is the anniversary of something really interesting that happened in the state of North Carolina many years ago. It was called the Goldsboro Incident. Does that ring a bell? I know the Greensboro Massacre, but I yeah, don't know. That the was Go- not good. I don't know yeah. the Goldsboro Incident. Is it a similar civil rights atrocity? Uh, it, it was a potential atrocity, certainly. It was a a B-52 bomber that had taken off from Seymour Johnson Air Force Base and had a mid-air refueling accident and crashed with three live nuclear bombs on board. Hmm. And uh, one of the bombs, all of the trigger mechanisms went ahead and and armed except for one. So it came very close to basically blowing up Goldsboro. It's called a broken arrow event when uh, they have an, an accident, a nuclear accident like that. There's only been 24 in the world and one of them was right here. And it's, it's probably one of the worst. When did this happen? Today in 1961. And tell our listeners where where Goldsboro is. Goldsboro is in eastern North Carolina. It's um, you know maybe seventy five miles southeast of Raleigh, in, in between Raleigh and Fayetteville, something like that. And uh, the bomb that almost detonated landed in a farmer's field just outside a little community called Faro, and they never recovered it. You're it's telling still me there's there. still a live nuclear bomb somewhere yes. in eastern North Carolina? Yes. They tried to recover it. They spent a long time digging and digging and digging. It was a swampy field and water just kept pouring into it. And eventually they just said, we're, we're not going to be able to get this. Wait uh, a so, minute. That so they covered it up. Covered it up with the, what? They covered it up with dirt. 
and the Department of Defense bought all of the land around it. Oh, yes. Um, you know, like 400 yards around uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. And they told the farmer, you can, you can keep farming, but don't mow over this particular area. And Because you day, might set off a nuclear bomb that we right. dropped. I thought I think they believed that the chances of it detonating weren't good at that point. They were very worried about um, it contaminating uh, the drinking water. And every year they go back out there and they test it. And to to this day, they have had no issues. But no, it was never recovered. Hmm. I just thought it was an interesting story. It feels like it could be an episode of Stranger Things. You're right. Right. Yeah, they usually do pick up on stuff like that. I was reading about Stranger Things, and Stranger Things, that whole kerfuffle started because of the military made an accident or something. They did a boo-boo. A man, when the military makes a boo-boo, you're going to hear about it. Or sometimes you don't hear about it because they keep it secret. You know what I mean? No, in this case, they kept it secret until 2013. That's Wait, when it the was Gold finally... incidents wasn't known until nine years ago? That's right. <sighs> That's when it was finally declassified. Why should you trust anything? Why do you, t- how do you get up in the morning and trust anything, John? Um, uh, you just got to, man. Okay. Like, ha- ha- yeah. I mean, how do you drive down the road and trust? Okay. That I people, get it. You've made your point. The people on the other side of the Welcome road. Welcome to election profit makers. Your guide to winning line. and losing money on political that. outcomes and current events. My name is, oh, John already did that. So let's get started. John, taking a look at the old Google the Doc Goldsboro outline. incident. You should look it up uh, on Wikipedia. Uh, All right. I'm sorry I had to lean into that, into the Goldsboro incident today. It just... That's all right. It's, it's haunting have, you. It's on your mind. It is. I know how bit. much you love Goldsboro. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you're very intrigued by Goldsboro. It's an interesting place. Before I turn to my portfolio, because unlike you, I have not abandoned, predicted, our beloved institution that's given us so much, tell us what the latest news is about predicted. Well, as some of you may remember, there is a lawsuit out there by some predicted uh, plaintiffs that are trying to stop the CT, uh, the CFTC from from shutting down predicted. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals sided with predicted plaintiffs and dismissed the CFTC argument to keep the case out of the courtroom. Therefore, oral arguments for the predicted plaintiffs injunction motion will occur. On February 8th in New Orleans, my Wait, birthday. Wait, this is going to trial, shutting down Predict It? This is, yes. Yeah. They they believe that it at least needed to go before. All right. Uh, so, yes. So we have to get down to New Orleans and get selected for this jury pool. <laughs> yes. Look, I don't think, I think- Oh my uh, gosh. It, and this wasn't of, predicted filing this lawsuit against the CFTC. This was just some fans, right? No, I think predicted is part of it. Oh, okay. And some other people jumped in on it too. I thought maybe it was some or some rival podcasters that we'll choose not to mention. We have rival podcasters. I thought you're always sending me screen caps of people dissing our podcast because we don't talk about predicted enough. And then people say, you should listen to our podcast about predicted. We make a lot of money on predicted. These guys don't make any money on predicted. That's kind of like people making fun of the the Harlem Globetrotters, saying that they're just a bunch of jokers and everything. But then, the, in the end, the Harlem Dro- Globetrotters actually do know what they're doing. Mm, that's true. Yeah, you know, you can be both. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the fool may be the only one who can speak truths to the king. Hmm. So listen to the bells on our boots as we jingle jangle and make our merry dance, for you might learn a thing or two, perchance. 
These words of wisdom come clothed in delicate strands of sugar humor, and yet you will consume them and find that your brain is now clear of a tumor. We are the ones, the merry pranksters, who help hmm. you see with gimlet eye, while those who are most self-serious might choose to make your life awry. We two jesters, merry two, a band a duo, are great. So what's going on with this lawsuit? It's going to happen in New Orleans, and then what's going to happen? We're all going to get free money from Predict It? No, no, no. We're not going to get free money. It would just be whether Predict It would be allowed to stay open uh, and continue doing what they have done. I think the other prediction markets that are existing out there right now that have this, they have markets on whether Predict It is going to survive. Uh, the latest <laughs> is that because... Um, this injunction motion is going to happen. They believe that predicted now has about a twenty percent chance of surviving. As only a twenty percent chance. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that twenty percent isn't terrible. I can't believe you can go on prediction markets and then bet on whether predicted will survive as a prediction market. Right, it's pretty meta. Only in America, Yakov Smirnov, you were right. This is a hell of a country. Remember when he would go on TV and say, in Russia, yeah. they look at you. And then his, his catchphrase was, America, this, this country is fucked up. That's, say, no, I don't think he said that. Is that guy still alive? Yeah, he's doing Russian water comedy these days. No, no. He, didn't he become a right winger? Remember? Didn't he? Wasn't he a MAGA guy? Uh, Yakov Shmirnov? Yeah, I think he went MAGA back in the day. All right. I don't know. There are 16 markets left on Predicted, as far as I can tell. The big news this week in Predicted is that Trump somehow, this guy, this son of a gun, is now one cent, one cent beneath Ron DeSantis of Florida. It is now currently 34 to 33 cents. Who will be the GOP 2024 presidential nominee? John, the comeback kid, you, you dismiss Donald Trump at your peril because this guy is surging he was 20 cents down within the last four weeks, and now he's one cent below DeSantis. What ha Why? What did he I do? I can't figure it out. Okay, so I got curious about this. Like, who's still left in this market? Who's betting on it? So on the homepage of Predict It, you can sort all the remaining markets by trade volume. I'm sure this is something that you've known about since the day you joined six years ago, but I had never realized this before. Mm -hmm. If you sort the markets by trade volume, mm -hmm. the 2024 presidential nominee for the GOP market is 39.6 million shares have been traded. Right. That's more than 10 million shares more than the next most popular market, which is the GOP Senate seats after the midterms. That's at 26.2 million shares traded. Compare that to the Democratic 2024 presidential nominee, which is only 13 million shares traded. So there's 26 million more shares being traded in the GOP presidential nomination market than the Democratic presidential nomination. Okay. That I'm What is <laughs> But you're huh? That was exciting. It's you like that. You like stuff yeah. like that, right? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was my birthday gift to you. You have a okay, birthday coming you. up, right? All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was my gift to you talking about um predicting numbers market yeah. volume and getting okay. some numbers get for all the number heads out there. We're hitting them with some early numbers in this episode. All right. Now, that doesn't explain why Trump is surging. It only explains that the market is popular, which makes sense because Trump is, for predicted, Trump is like a marquee name, right? Yeah. I would have thought that Ron DeSantis making African-American AP history illegal would have helped his position. 
I, 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 the long answer, the short answer is I don't know why Trump is searching. All he did this week, as far as I can tell, is say that the GOP should not cut Medicare or Social Security, which is it's just incredible cross-messaging with the, the party that he is supposed to be leading. That's going to be a wonderful. That's going to be wonderful to see how that resolves. Hmm. Um, Ooh, what? I just realized why. I bet why? he surged. Why? A story came out in the Daily Beast a couple of days ago that said Trump was planning on abandoning his social media company, Truth Social, oh, here we and go. heading back to Twitter. Really? Yeah. Now, if that's true. That would certainly help his visibility. I wonder if that's why. Are people still on Twitter? Yeah, we're trying. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? You're trying to you're trying to be on Twitter. Yeah, I mean we're trying to send tweets. They don't always send. The pages don't reload. I mean oh it's God, it's a physical Twitter, bro. Just leave Twitter mess and go to Reddit. Go no TikTok. I'm telling you, oh, dude. I I can't. If I go to TikTok. I'm there for hours. I saw this thing about how they were trying to ban TikTok in government office buildings. I got so pissed off. I'm about to file a lawsuit. I need everyone on TikTok at all times. Yeah. Actually, TikTok is about to be terrible. I read this essay called by, um, have you ever heard of the writer Cory Doctorow? I don't know how you say his last name. Yes. He wrote this essay about the inshittification of um, social media companies and, and online businesses. And according to his analysis of the inshittification process, TikTok is entering the inshittification stage. So I think the glory days of TikTok are behind us. It's time for someone to invent a new app. That's what I have to say. All right. Uh, another thing I saw this week, this is anecdotal, of course, um, was it Ron DeSantis was at a football game in Kansas City. That's in the state of Missouri, which it leans a little to the right. And a lot of people were cheering for him there. They knew who he was. Oh. They were like, you need to run for president. Maybe the whole thing was staged, maybe. But uh, looking at that, it's like, okay, there are people that like this guy and think that he may be the next guy. Do you think Ron DeSantis has strange hair? John, I don't really focus on people's appearances. I'm more concerned with their policies. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember what his hair looks like. I think he kind of has a squishy looking face. He looks like a his head. He looks like a like a. It reminds me of the type of paperweight that you would buy in the back of comic book in the 1970s. That's what his face looks like to me. Hmm. Looks like to me. You know, like your math homework will not blow away in the wind if you have Ron DeSantis's head on your desk. You know what I mean? That's probably true. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he's a strange looking guy. He seems like he, he no, again, nobody can help how they look, uh, but looks do help you in politics probably. Mm, now and, the takes start coming in. Yeah. I think he has co sort of strange hair and he does sort of have a whiny appearance. He's got a whiny vibe. Definitely. The least popular market when you sort predicted markets by volume mm -hmm. is one that I don't think I'd ever noticed before. Will we have a woman president in 2024? The volume of shares being traded there, a paltry 144,000. Now, the interesting thing about this market, John, is no is currently trading at 79 cents. That kind of seems like a good buy, right? So my question to you is, I know you're no longer trading on Predicted, but I still have a few hundred bucks lying around. Should I buy that or should I? Yes. Yes, buy okay. it. I think buy it just just for the entertainment aspect of that. Oh, yeah. Watch how entertaining this is going to be. Ready? Okay. Find the market. Oh, God. I hate it when we do this. 
What when we do what? When we actually do trades live. Oh really? I'm gonna slow yeah. it down just to just because no, I, I I feel like we think that this is interesting to people. And the page is loading. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is not good. Hold on, this, this is, is not is good. good. Listeners are, are the, on the edge of their seats. Now I have two hundred nine dollars. So how many mm. shares can I buy of No at seventy nine cents? Listeners, let's break out our thinking caps as I almost three hundred. Type some numbers in my little calculating box. I'm buying <laughs> 250 shares, no. But something's wrong and the trade won't go. And now the trade's gone through. And I'm looking at a portfolio that's unstoppable. Okay. So I did that, and that was a good segment. <laughs> You know that show called um, Fuck Radio Lab, where it's like they yeah. go so hard with the editing and it's like so quick and everything. Yeah, it'd be like <laughs> never, never mind. I guess some stuff I there's some stuff I think yeah. my brain is slowing down and I cannot keep up with it. I don't think I could keep up with Radio Lab if I tried to listen to it. Now. Really? I don't. And yet you're so. spending all this time on TikTok, which moves so fast. No, the way I look at TikTok, I do slow TikTok. I watch mm. every video all the way through. I let it wash over me. I lie in bed and I just let TikTok wash over me. Oh, God. Big news out of North Carolina. And no, I'm not talking about how the North Carolina State Auditor admitted to being involved in a hit and run. That <laughs> that photo that, of the news story that they run with the NC State Auditor is give, makes me makes me grind my teeth. That feels like cocaine city. But let's put that aside. What's the big political news out of North Carolina this week? Josh Stein, the attorney general for the state of North Carolina, has announced he is going to run for governor in 2024. Because Roy Cooper can not run. Roy Cooper is a Democrat and Josh Stein is a Democrat. Who will Josh Stein, who went to our high school, let's remember, Mm -hmm. who will he be running against likely? Well, we don't know, but it is likely that is going to be the current lieutenant governor of North Carolina, Republican Mark Robinson. And, you know, people who know Mark Robinson's a bit of a bomb thrower and, uh, you know, homophobe, transphobe. Um, mm-hmm. He's African-American, so he, he has that going for him um, on the right. But... I think people think that he's a bridge too far in North Carolina. And the Cook Political Report actually came out and has this race as lean Democrat, which Hmm. is, you know, North Carolina is a pretty much a lean Republican state, slight lean Republican. They just don't believe that uh, Mark Robinson would be able to win. I don't know if Josh Stein is the greatest candidate. I think he's good, but I think if he's running against Mark Robinson, he's going to win. And didn't I call it when we went to go see Hunt's fundraiser to ask her about the story that when she was the governor's daughter, if if they invited some punk rocker to uh, the governor's mansion to introduce her to punk and new wave music. And when we went to ask her that question, uh, she had no recollection of that historical event taking place. But we did hear some opening remarks from Josh Stein. And didn't I say to you, he's going to run for governor? This sounds like a speech that a guy who's running for governor yeah. gives. 
Yeah. And what did. has come to pass? Josh Stein is running for governor. Ignore the wisdom of Kid Midas at your peril. No, you knew it. You knew it. You looked at me and went, he's running. I know. I'd never gotten to say that in real life. That was really fun. I felt like a real insider. I was like, <laughs> where are was... we? K Street? <laughs> what is that this? Was... A fancy steakhouse that I'm being taken to by a Raytheon lobbyist? I'm really a part of the political system now. And then as soon as he finished that speech, he was like, bye bye. Yeah, he had to get going. He was like, I got to go raise some money. I really hope that we can get him on the show. You know, I think between our, our connections um, because of Chapel Hill High School and your connections, your your parents being best friends with his parents, mm. I think we should be able to get him I don't think my on. parents know his parents, but I think they're at the same retirement community, but I wouldn't say they're best right. friends. Okay. A good acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's exciting news. He uh, released a video um, that was was really good. That yeah showed his father was a civil rights attorney in Charlotte, and his uh, law offices were bombed by uh, white supremacists in 1970, I believe. Uh, Whoa, that up. late? Jesus. Yeah, I know. Not great, right? Aye, aye. Um, so that was how he opened things. And then he directly attacks Mark Robinson in his, um, in that opening video, which you don't usually see in these things. These things are usually like all, all very nice. I like that. Let's get it going. Yeah. Let's start tussling. That's right. Right. If there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed now. That's just Josh Stein's doing a little bit of tussling. Mm hmm. Another big announcement of someone entering a race, Ruben Gallego running for Kirsten Sinema's seat on the Democratic ticket, which she has abandoned. John, what's your take on this news? Don't know anything about this. You're going to have cool. to tell me Moving about along. this. Latest Joe Biden approval numbers. Why did you want to talk about that? I thought we talked about this last week. We did. Why is it back on the outline? I didn't put it on the outline. Next item. I think I typed this. George Santos is a true sociopath and his shiny lips and Mona Lisa smile make my skin crawl. And then I think you added his AVI looks like a corpse. His Avi. Yeah. Avi. Yeah. Don't you, have you looked at his avatar? Well, you're not on Twitter, but if you looked at his, 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 his official photo, it looks like how I imagine I will look if I'm in an open casket at a funeral and you could hear he, it just the, looked, the look is just—it's it's gross. There's something going on with him, where <laughs> his, that you know he, there's just something going on with that guy. Yeah, the a new report came out. Um, they've got an interview of him uh, claiming that he was robbed on Fifth Avenue and that they stole his shoes. And then the worst part is, he adds, he always, you can tell a great liar. He just jumps <laughs> on to add something else. And they're right. like, you're, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. These guys just robbed you and took, took your shoes. And instead of like addressing that, he's like, right. yeah. And the, and the worst part is nobody did anything about it. They just looked there. People were so scared. He's a great liar. Well, granted, this happened on 9-11 as his mother was dying. So that's right. Next on the outline, friends, I went to a macrobiotic restaurant to enjoy some healthy food straight from the guts of Mother Earth herself. And at the counter, I saw a product that reminded me with bludgeoning force that I truly live in the greatest timeline. 
This product combines John's worst fear and mine worst fear. This was a can of water that was branded with a Bored Ape NFT. Friends, I'm here to tell you about Ape Water. And no, this is not an ad that one of our listeners has paid for. This is true information that I found on the web. (laughs) Ape Beverages is redefining the world's relationship with water. Much more than just the best water on earth in a funny can. Ape Beverages is positively changing the world <laughs> for future generations. Is that really what it says? Yeah, that's the that's from the About Us page on apebeverages.com, which is the website that I found when I searched the origin story of this NFT water. And how are they positively changing the world? Well, I think they give away some percentage of their money to – I'm sure it's going to be just like Sam Bankman Freed thing project or mm-hmm. something where – Someone's going to wake up and be like, wait a minute, what what happened to all my money? Anyway, NFT water, it's out there. Grab it and go. Hi, stay yeah. hydrated and stay and stay crypto. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Then the next on the no, we're we're just doing a news gusher. This is yeah, just a yeah, news yeah. blast. The SCOTUS leak investigation about the Dobbs decision. The investigators worked tirelessly day and night talking to every single person they could, and they came up empty, John. It turns out nobody leaked the Dobbs decision. It was a collective hallucination. Mm, I think someone leaked it. They just weren't able to find who did it. It was got to, It was Alito, right? Isn't that the, isn't that the consensus? Um, Do you think it was? Do you really think it was? I, I think I it makes think it more sense that somebody on the right leaked it. Yes. To pressure people who might have been wavering, right? That's right. And they didn't, but they did not uh, interview the um, justices under oath. So, And why is that? They felt like it would make the justices look untrustworthy. Why is everyone, what's going on with the Supreme Court? I really do think it's falling apart in terms of, I don't think people respect it as much as they used to, right? Mm-mm. No. It's just a bunch of people in robes, man. Think on that. Yeah, yeah. Take a hit and think on that. It's just a bunch of people in robes. Does that remind you of something? Mm-hmm. Priests, right? Church leaders, religious leaders, or should I say cult leaders? Yeah, take another hit. We're going there. You got to watch out when these people show up in robes. The only robes I'm interested in are people in bathrobes, because I know they're laid back and ready for fun, or they've just gotten out of bed and are deciding what to wear for the day. Do you have a bathrobe? I don't. I had one years ago. It was monogrammed with my last name, but it. Um, I think after 20 or so years, it just fell apart. It was a good bathrobe. If anyone getting back on the fashion tip, nice big fluffy terry cloth robe, those things weigh like 600 pounds, I will say. Yeah. If you're 6'2 and you put on your bathrobe, it's kind of like, ugh. It's like, <laughs> yeah. You like double your body weight. Those right. things are so fucking right. heavy. Yeah. I used to have one like that. <laughs> it's like that. wearing a piece of furniture. Another great institution that we all love and were told to respect from childhood, the FBI in New York State, the head of counterintelligence got arrested the other day. I got to tell you, man, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Charles McConjigal. McGonagall. Have you ever seen Mc- a name before? What? <laughs> McConjigal? What, what is this? What is I this, a trailer in the prison yard? What's going on yeah. here? Charles McGonagall. McGonagall, yeah. Charles McGonagall. McGonagall. Oh, you're doing it. Are you doing a bit? Yeah. He was the uh, 
special agent in charge of uh, counter. Yeah, you said that in the New York field office. He's under arrest for his ties to Oleg Deripaska. You know who that guy is? Yeah, he's a um, Russian billionaire. He's right. been sanctioned by the United States and criminally charged. Is this the same guy who said, what does this have to do with Trump Russia? Is this the guy who was in charge no. of investigating Trump Russia? What's going on here? It, it, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Okay. I'm, 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 the thing, both sides are going to claim shenanigans here. The right is going to say that the guy investigating Trump was dirty and a hypocrite and he was working for Russia. The left is going to say the guy who leaked uh, to the New York Times that uh, there was no connection between Trump and Russia. There was that leak before the 2016 election. Uh, the people on the left are going to say that that leak came from this guy who had started working about a month earlier in the New York field office. And uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to prove either one of those. I'm going to take a wait and see attitude personally. Okay. How about that? Yeah. I will say though, man, and and I'll say this on the record and I don't care who hears it. Was Russia fucking around in our shit very much in the last few years? It's just like everywhere you turn, they've got somebody on a secret payroll, yeah. you know? Yeah. Remember Paul Manafort? Remember how much trouble he got in? He was Trump's campaign manager. Yeah. I mean, that's really wild. Yeah. And then the, you got to hand it to him. He called Zelensky and said, we'll send you some guns if you investigate Hunter Biden. What in the world? Vladimir no, Putin, that, what a that guy. happened. I know. All that happened. I mean, I hate to say it, but you can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. The only thing you can do is live it. Live it and celebrate it. You know? This is living history, John. We're living through history right now. Every waking moment, more and more history. Every day, history, history, history. Flying past. You get whiplash trying to keep up with all this history. And I, for one, am sick of it. I I wish we would have the end of history. Speaking of another great favorite of the New Yorker set, Francis Fukuyama, that book turned out to be pretty true. <laughs> Wait a minute. What book How was is that? that guy allowed to keep going? Which one Come is this? On. What? Which one is this? Francis Fukuyama. He wrote The End of History, remember? Oh, yeah. What was it called? The End of History and the Last Man? It came out in the 90s and he was like, yeah, all the problems are solved. We know what's going to happen. Right. Basically like neoliberalism and democracy for the win. Bye-bye, history. History was like, mm, <laughs> not quite so fast, my friend. I'm history, and I am a bit of a rabble-rouser and a bit of a little stinker, and I'm not quite done toying with my human playthings just yet. There's a few more pages on my calendar, so let's have fun and make more of me. History, that is. You know, it's really crazy. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses came by uh, this morning. To you? Yeah. What'd they say? They sort of had that same take on history, that uh, that things were coming to a close soon. See? Mm-hmm. This is why I'm going to get into eschatological religions. And what did they say was going to happen? They said that all of the bad people were going to disappear in a, like a giant natural disaster. I don't know. Maybe oh, this is, is yeah. no shit Sherlock stuff from the Jehovah Witnesses. I don't know. I don't know their, their beliefs, but- how are they going to trap all the bad people in the same place to be hit with a natural disaster? I don't know that God was going to figure that out. Oh, I know what you could do. You could have an asshole convention at the Grand Canyon e- and invite all the assholes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then what? And then there'd be an earthquake and all the bad okay. people would die. How long did you spend talking to these uh, Jehovah's Witnesses? Oh, about 10 minutes. Whoa, really? You really engaged? Yeah. yeah. 
Did you give him any money? No, no. Did you take any pamphlets? Yep, yep. Did you tell him about our podcast? No. Oh. No, but they said they're back at it, that they have been out of the field because of COVID. Uh-huh. So you can expect more <laughs> they visits. They said, they're like anonymous, expect us when you least yeah. expect us or whatever they say. Yeah. I wish Jehovah's Witnesses made videos, scary videos like Anonymous used to do back in the day. Then I would get into the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. We are Jehovah's Witnesses. You can expect us. All right. John, let's take another quick break. Buy the debut album by David Reese for five bucks at flowersounds.bandcamp.com or buy the entire Flower Sounds discography for only $17.25 again at flowersounds.bandcamp.com. Thank you to the cassette label Flower Sounds for that wonderful ad on Election Profit Makers, the king, king of ad of sales. sales. Election, Election Profit Makers. John, shall we turn to a UNC sports update? Yes. Uh, this weekend, the, the UNC men's basketball team took on NC State, a supposed rival, and uh, won the game. UNC has now won 36 of the last 41 games versus NC State going back to 2003. I think that might be the single best piece of audio content I've ever heard. Really? Was that it? That yeah, was that it. was it. That's you it. nailed that. Thanks. No edits, first take. Amazing. That was like watching Greg Luganis nail a triple axle high drive off the reverse board. Yeah. No splash, just straight into the water. Hollywood update, anyone? We're glad you asked. The uh, Golden Globes have happened, as you know, and the Academy Award nominations have come out. But what's on everyone's lips in Tinseltown this week is the fact that John Kimball, after succumbing to years of my pleading has dipped his toe in the water, so to speak, and is watching the greatest television show ever made, the French spy thriller, The Bureau. John, welcome to The Bureau. How are you enjoying it? Oh, I love it, man. I love it. Um, I feel like I need to learn French, though. I mean, you know, the whole thing, it's in French, and you're just reading the subtitles and everything. Um, It's great. There's a lot of drinking in it and drinking of water. And there's a lot of and references you... <laughs> to water. Okay, so when John first, so here was the, here's a little backstory. It's a little Hollywood backstory. This is this is why you guys love Hollywood gossip. So we'll tell you some Hollywood gossip. I wanted John to watch the Bureau, and John wanted me to watch this HBO miniseries called The Staircase, which is about the Scott Peterson trial, which was a huge thing in Durham, North Carolina. Mike Peterson. Back. Mike Peterson. That I've, as you can tell, I've never really understood or followed or cared to understand. Mm-hmm. So we did a TV swap. Now I got the, uh, I would say I got the short end of the stick in a way because I only had to watch like ten hours of content, whereas John has five ten episode season of the Bureau to wade to wade through. Right. So I finished the staircase, and it was it was a totally good example of that type of content. And Tony Collette is always terrific. So John was watching the Bureau, and then I was so eager to hear what he thought, who his favorite characters were, what he thought of. <laughs> Nadia Almanzur, lover. What he thought of uh, what he thought of uh, Henri Duflo, the man who wears the wacky ties as he as he manages his his yeah. his merry band of of spies and analysts. John started texting me like they drink so much water on the show. Why are these people always drinking glasses of water? And I was like, okay. 
My dear friend John's brain has finally broken. He's starting to see hydration wherever he looks. He's gone crazy. They don't actually drink that much water. And then I thought, wait a minute. There are a lot of scenes when the spies are meeting in the cafeteria and getting their tray of the most French office lunches you've ever seen, where it's like a filet of fish with some potatoes and carrots and a glass of water. And they always sit down and they'll pour some water and then they'll pour some water for someone else. And you're like, is this necessary? (laughs) I swear I didn't realize how triggering this show would be for you. And what happens when people get tortured? What are they always denied and what are they always asking for? Yeah, they want water. Um, there is, uh, yeah, there's denial of water in the torture. That's probably uh, why you love the torture scenes, right? Because you're it, like, yeah, look it, how dried out they are. They're probably in heaven. Exactly. That's they right. That's why I should be day. a spy. They would never be able to <laughs> exactly. get me to they'd break. Like, we, they'd be like, they'd be like, how's it going in there? They're like, I don't know, man. We cannot break this guy. He hasn't asked for water once. He has to yeah. turn up the heat. Yeah, it's, yeah <laughs> in it's the torture true. chamber. He said he was feeling a little moist. Yeah, it's true. I would not break. Um, I, I'm not saying I want to be a spy or I would be a good spy, but I would not break. Um, and then Shapur's uh, Zamani ends up, uh, he's going to the bathroom and he ends up getting busted. That has uh, a peeing in a water incident. And then there's a, they go to a water conference. I had watched this season with Shapur maybe two months ago or a month ago. I had already forgotten that there's a whole story arc about recruiting a spy at a water conference where mm-hmm. all they're doing is talking about water. Yeah. This is the wettest show. Or wetness yeah. is the subtext. And then I and then it all clicked for me, John, because I was thinking about the water and the bureau and all that stuff and the fact that it's a French show. And then with a shock, I realized what John are the last three letters of the bureau? Oh, nice. E A U. E A U. And what is E-A-U French for? Apparently water. Yeah. Oh, my God, I did it again. I cracked the code. Oh, water. They're trying to tell us something. That it's like a whole I thought I I thought this text was already as rich as anything I'd ever seen on TV. And now there's a whole other le- level of the text. OK, but we're being serious, right? We're being serious, right? I'm being serious. Yeah. yeah I started yeah. To, No. And I started to wonder, is water like could somebody write a Ph.D. thesis about the use of water and liquidity and fluidity in the bureau? Is water symbolizing how these people who go undercover have to kind of like you know, accommodate and they have no true form. They take the form of whatever vessel contains right. them. Like, is they that find actually, their level? Right. They is that to, actually to, like thematically like what the show is about? Like, is this oh, a very deliberate brilliant. thing where the director is like, we need a scene of them drinking water. Where's our water scene for this episode? Have them go to the cafeteria and have one of them pour someone else a pitcher of water. Have really you Googled? Think, have no. you done a, I mean, I know you do a Google of like Russian water comedy and stuff, but have you done a Google of, Bureau water. No, I'm saving it. I'm going to save yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I'm saving it too. But I think there's something there. If any, if any of our listeners are lucky enough to have enjoyed all five seasons of the Bureau, let us know if we are onto something here. We would love to get an email that says, "Yes, John and David, you're both extremely perceptive. You've opened my eyes to how much water there is on this show. Something to think about." I knew there was a reason I wanted you to watch it, John. I just, it wasn't the reason that I was consciously aware of. I wanted you to watch a show where people drink lots and lots of water. 
where water is both a driver of the plot, an indicator of character, a source of relief, and a source of stress, rather like it is in your own life, John. Okay. Yeah. That was your Hollywood update. Now we'll move on to the PP update. Oh God! All right, John and We're I decided to. John and I decided to track how much, um, how many times a day, we. Um, how can I say this delicately? Urinate. Urinate. Friends, is it any surprise that I absolutely kicked his ass in the urination department with mm-hmm. an astonishing world champion 13 urination events in a single 24-hour period. The king of piss, Kid Midas. John, how many times a day do you pee? Uh, six times. Oh, my uh, God. Some days, as many as eight. And uh, one day last week, uh, only four times. That's so So that was up. a dry day for me. But, you Ugh. know, again, again, they say that the average is six or seven times a day. And my average is exactly six right now. Let's bring a doctor on the show and have the doctor tell us which one of us is healthy. I have a feeling one of us is healthy and one of us isn't healthy. Now, remember, they said anywhere between four and 10, if you're healthy, is normal. So again, you're you're outside of the Mm -hmm. norm. I am. I don't pee inside the bell curve. I'm in an elite squadron. Let's move on. All right. Listener questions, Johnny. Listener questions. It's another week, and we've got more wonderful listener questions. Tommy wrote another. You know, joke. it's possible that <clears throat> we are. This episode peeing. is crazy. Can I tell you something? It's possible that we're peeing the same amount of fluid ounces. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. It's just possible that we are. It it just you're taking smaller peas, and mine are just a little bit larger. Like you have a huge, massive bladder, and I have a little tiny bladder. Maybe. Okay, so for next week, this is something that our listeners will look forward to. We'll measure the volume of our uh, – how are we going to do that? Pee in a measuring cup? I think the best way to do it is to time time it. Well, let's consider doing that. That might be getting too granular for the comfort of our listeners. but Well, let, let's I'll, just do it for you and me. Okay, this will be a private thing. Okay. Well, let's take this conversation offline. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Listener questions. Tommy wrote in with a joke. I have a numbering system joke for you. To understand the joke, you need to know that base eight is called octal and base 10 is decimal. So here's the joke. Why did the mathematician dress up as Santa Claus for Halloween? Because oct 31 equals deck 25. Ooh, I think this joke works better if you read it on the page rather than hear it being mm-hmm. told. Yeah. But I was thinking I would try to go to a comedy club on a numbers comedy night when they're doing just nothing but numbers comedy and try this joke to see how it goes over. Thank you, Tommy. Dana writes in, hi, election profit makers, longtime listener, first time caller. Okay, so last night I was listening to your podcast on my way to a birthday dinner while driving down Sunset Boulevard in Silver Lake. That is in Los Angeles for people that don't know. I was at the part of this week's episode when David was impressing John with his corduroy vocabulary knowledge. It was trafficy as usual, but since the rain and new potholes, the buses have been particularly annoying. Anticipating a bus blocking the path I was on, I made a last-minute decision to switch lanes as the light turned red. 
This resulted in a classic dick driver move. The nose of my car was crookedly blocking some of the crosswalk. Oh, God, I hate that. I I remorsefully looked to the curb to see if this was going to affect any pedestrians. And yep, two dudes were prepping to cross and therefore to walk around my car. To my surprise, one of them was David. Mm. I recognized his iconic hair and hoodie. So with my heart beating nervously, I rolled down my window, turned up the podcast, and took a breath to yell something great like, hey, election profit makers or whatever. But then you guessed it. It wasn't David. It was Chris Pine. Amazing. I disappointedly rolled up the window, turned down the podcast, and watched Chris Pine peek into a pot shop, but not go in. It's okay, though. I did get to meet David one time during his analog promotional tour for Going Deep. I've attached a picture as reference. Anyway, thanks for making the trafficy streets of L.A., more pleasant. So Chris Pine is a famous movie star. He was most recently in the movie that I saw called Don't Worry Darling, which also stars Harry Styles. Can you picture Chris Pine? Yeah, I don't think that you look like Chris Pine. Yeah, with all respect to Dana, who I do remember meeting on the Going Deep uh, analog tour, I think if I was to describe Chris Pine to someone, I would say, think of me and then think of the opposite of me. Mm, Not the opposite, but does he he have a mustache? well, he has like these super intense blue eyes and he's like, yeah, like yeah. super built and stuff. But right. I will say that it's interesting, though, because Chris Pine played Cap. I was going to say Captain Charlie Kirk, Captain Kirk in the rebooted um, Star Trek movies. And the guy who played Spock is an actor named Zachary Quinto. And there was an era. I can't remember how long ago it was now, like 15 years ago when that actor, Zachary Quinto, and I must have looked exactly alike for like six months. We must have overlapped. He was on a show called Heroes, and I would get asked over and over again, are you the guy from Heroes or, hey, I like you on Heroes? Yeah. I don't think he and I look alike at all anymore. I think our paths have since um, diverged, but I think there was a moment when it was like two sine waves, you know, they're oscillating and they meet in the middle. Yeah. So that's my little Star Trek connection. You looked just like him. I think it has something to do with our little close set eyes and eyebrows. Yeah, it was your nose. And our nose, yeah. Very Spock-like nose. And I was always very- Did we talk about this? Huh? Did we talk- Didn't we do this last week? Just want to make sure we didn't. Oh, I don't know. We did. As soon as I'm done editing the shows, I I, I wipe them from my memory. So this might be the second time in a row that we're talking about me. Well, it is the second time that you and I have talked about this. I think we talked about it last week, but I cut it. Okay. I think that's what happened. Why don't you go back to last week's and just take the one from last week? Because you delete because, it. Because we have a new fresh contemporary take because it's this week. Yeah, you know what I mean? It doesn't feel fresh to me. It feels like uh, feels more wow. first the second time. Well, I'm sorry you had to have a conversation with one of your best friends about an intriguing topic for two weeks in a row. Boy, this must be just like getting tortured on the bureau. Hmm. Is this one of the weirdest episodes we've ever done? Sadly, no, no. I feel weird in my mind right now. Like, no, it's a weird time of year. It's 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 January. This we did talk about last week. It's it's a depressing time of year. Oh, it's It's, not that bad. There's not that much happening. It's dark, cold. You know what they say? If it's dark outside, try making try turning on a light inside inside your own heart. 
E.T., Steven Spielberg, The Fablemans. You think that's going to do well at the Oscars? <laughs> what? What's going to happen when Predicted shuts down? We're fucked. No, we're not. We're not going to have shit to talk about. I can't believe I'm the one carrying the weight now, having a Predicted account. You're like, I don't give a shit about Predicted anymore. I got to sit here and sort markets by trade volume just to have something to talk about. Everyone's pulling out their hair like, Look, why don't you talk about predicted? Why is We can go to some of these other fly-by-night. Oh, fucking uh, Kalshi, some bullshit. It sounds like a breakfast cereal from Norway. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, I know. It's you all know? confusing. Then there's this insight prediction. Shit. And then, uh, Kelly, uh, I don't know, dude. I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe, maybe we should start betting on sports. That's going to be a no from me, dog. Dog. That's a famous quote, I think, from a movie. Isn't that from – oh, God. All right. I can't bear the sound of my voice or your voice. All right. I want to skip the rest of these listener questions. All right. We'll figure it out, John. Actually, you know what? I just went from being in a bad mood to being in a good mood. I think we'll figure it out, and I think we'll do a good job. We'll try our damnedest, and if people don't like it, well, it's not really our fault. All we can do is try our hardest, okay? And that goes double for all these politicians in Washington, D.C. Why don't you try your hardest for once? Hmm? How about that? And that brings it back to politics. <laughs> yeah. All right. I am going to read some more about premonitions and parallel lives after we get off this call. Going to read some more anecdotal, anecdotal evidence? I'm telling you, I've got a pretty good library going here. i got numbers in you, synchronicity in you. <laughs> It's, it's good. People should keep sending John some numbers. Yeah, this books. is. See, I'm serious. This is really funny stuff. Don't it, say funny. Say no, mathematical. This is really imp- mathematical. You know, election profit makers. Yeah. What about it? It's an independent production, and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash election profit makers. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. What if I want to rate and review you? I don't know, man. I don't know. If you want to rate and review us, do it, please. I don't wow, know if anyone ever does it. I don't, I don't I think anyone important. ever does. I don't like reading this part. Said, nobody, ever do, nobody ever rates and reviews us anymore. Okay, well, then fine. Then I guess I guess we'll just die. How about that? Would that make you people happy? <laughs> just kidding. We're more alive than ever. It's 2023. We're having a great time. Living life. Okay, goodbye. Bye.